What is going on, everybody? I hope everyone had a amazing Thanksgiving, spending time with your loved ones, with your family, eating some good turkey, getting fat. I know I was. Some good booze, some good times, some football. A lot happening over the weekend, not just football, but also uh, uh, football, or I guess uh, as the internet is uh, putting out a few memes that now that we tied with England, I suppose we can call it soccer and that everyone else should abide by that. (laughs) It was a big weekend, everybody. I hope everyone got all the family loving and again, all the food that you could enjoy. It's times like these that we really should appreciate just the people that we have in our lives that are there for us, that care for us, that love us. It's a good time. And not only that, we also, um, we get to see a lot of football happening. So for those of you wondering what happened to Ball and Barrel last week, the day before I left uh, for West Tennessee, um, I was incredibly ill. I, I was not feeling good, so I texted the person that I was supposed to do ball and barrel with, and I was like, you know what, let's, let's just scratch it, have fun with your family, we'll, we'll, figure, it, we'll figure something else out. And um, so afterwards, I was already going to have it a lighter week anyway, just because, again, I wanted to spend time with my family. I didn't want to bring my laptop or anything there, but, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm feeling much better now. <laughs> Thankfully, I got... I started feeling better before I took off, but you know, it's pretty much, I guess I was just uh, clearing the way, so to speak, for all the food that I ingested. I'm surprised I didn't get sick after all of that. I consumed a lot of food over this weekend. I can definitely tell you that. I also consumed so much football this weekend, not just for the big matchups. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, it was rivalry rivalry weekend, and that's usually one of the best weekends in college football. And I was so upset that I was sick and so upset that I couldn't talk about it. But thankfully, I can talk a little bit about of the aftermath of said weekend, and there's already a lot to get into. Um, I'm going to just kind of just stick with the, the timeline just so we can all just kind of reminisce together. And that just goes right back to Thanksgiving night when it's, you know, the time, What like I was saying, you get together with your family, your loved ones. Well, in the state of Mississippi, the Ole Miss and Mississippi State get together and they don't really have much love and much uh, time for being thankful for one another. And it really showed in that game. Um, Normally, I thought that... I I was more interested in this game simply because of the falling out that this game could possibly turn into. So everyone already knew the speculation with Lane Kiffin and it started off with Monday where the big, where the reporter broke the news that he's going to be taking the Auburn job after the egg bowl, or I suppose on Friday and the news was coming soon, but then, you know, Lane being Lane, he goes on and, he pretty much t- trolls that reporter saying like, Oh, well this reporter is actually going to this rival ank or this rival news network. 
you know, details come to be, you know, happening soon or like whatever the case may be or whatever it said. I don't really remember, but I'm just obviously paraphrasing, but it pretty much obviously sparked a lot of attention. And then there was tons of people going back and forth with everything. And there was the credibility that I saw was, okay, this is the guy that broke the news that the Auburn athletic director is John Cohen. So this is the guy that was first. Ladies and gentlemen, this is probably a little bit of a reminder of it's better to be right than first. Let that, let just let that sink in. So again, there was a little bit of uh, credibility to this guy's quote unquote sources, but it got so much of a public uproar that Lane Kiffin had to call a meeting Tuesday and Wednesday. They they didn't really talk about the Wednesday meeting. That there was another one as well. There there was one that was already reported. There was another one the next day just to reassure everyone that he's not leaving. And there were some other key personalities and key other media people were like, oh, yeah, he's leaving. He's leaving. He's leaving. There's not a chance. There's not a chance. And I'm sitting here just going like, y'all, he, he told his players he's not leaving. You know, Lane Kiffin it looks like legitimately likes being in Oxford. His kids enjoy being in Oxford. Hell, the dog, Juice, if you don't know who Juice is, go follow him on Twitter. It's it's a, He's a tremendous follow. Um, it, it seems though they, they really like being in Mississippi and they, he, he pretty much has the keys to the castle there. Now he just won eight games this season. And obviously the, the ending of the season didn't really happen the way that he wanted to, but you know, last year, 10 wins, most Ole Miss has ever seen. He's had a tremendous record the last three years since he's been there. He's going to get a contract extension, which he rightfully deserves and, you know, that, that, that's just the way that it is. And, you know, j- just with the public outcry that was him leaving, you know, again, everyone was trying to just pretty much just be the first person to break the news and, you know, just have all these speculations and be like, yeah, he's definitely going. There's no chance that he's staying. And Lane Kiffin just kind of just shrugs it off, tries to get every, get his players ready for the Egg Bowl and, Unfortunately, with that, you could definitely see that there were some key drops that Ole Miss had that just really hurt them. Um, I don't want to dive too deep into it. Obviously, it is what it is. I mean, um, I thought it was a really classy move that um, Lane Kiffin's uh, son, I believe it's Knox, or I don't know exactly if if that's like short for anything. I apologize to the family. But uh, he had um, asked Will Rogers for his game towel and Will Rogers was nice enough to meet him and hand it over to him. And I just thought that was a really classy move amongst that rivalry. And amongst that atmosphere, there's still, there's still those moments that are quote unquote bigger than football. Um, I'll tell you something else that's really bigger in football. And that's a little bit of the speculation with, uh, with Ryan day. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I have no inside information about this. I, I'm simply just going off of who I've talked to, reports reading. There would, I don't know if there's legitimacy to this, but I could definitely see it happening. And now that they've lost, you know, college football is a business, but it's also an emotional, it's an emotional state of mind as well. It's, you know, just like any other sport. And, you know, so 
there was a few rumblings, not loud, because if it was loud, it would obviously be reported much more, but just a few rumblings that, all right, well, ever since Ryan Day has taken over, the team has gotten more of a finesse, you know, shootout, let's have all this flash, you know, not too much of a actual toughness. And, you know, if any team really wants to push them around, they're able to do so. And Ryan Day's team doesn't have the mental fortitude to respond to that. And, you know, that again, you can only just take that with what you will. And everyone had that ammunition just simply because of how Ohio State lost to Michigan last year where, yeah, they did just get run over. It wasn't even a contest. The score wasn't as close as people think it was. And, again, this is in 2021. This year, though, I think it was worse than last year. To give up not just one, but two really big runs in the fourth quarter, pretty much just putting a dagger into the side that is the Buckeyes, it, that is Brutus. You took his big head and pretty much just stuck a big old dagger in the side of it. That was such a blow. I mean, the Ohio State Buckeyes, they, you know, and, uh, they, they have even told reporters and everyone else that, they have had this game circled and they, they are ready for this game. And then, hey, at first, yeah, they were right. The, at at f- the first half, but there's still a whole other half to play. And it seems as though they thought, okay, we're up at half. We're going to eventually win this. And Michigan just had other plans. And they come, they come out and just completely stomp them, just roll them over. And – um, it, that was a, that was such a bad loss for Ohio State because, again, everything was right in front of you. You know, you have a number two ranking. You beat Michigan. You go play whatever team just happened to come out of the the quote unquote gauntlet that is the Big Ten West. And for those of you that think that's an that I'm being serious, just look up the standings for the Big Ten West, not the East, the West. Yes, the Weast. Look up for the Weast. Um, but yeah, Ohio State had everything right in front of them. All they had to do was beat Michigan and beat them convincingly. And they just they just completely shit the bed the second half. They didn't even they, they must have just really thought that when they were up twenty to seventeen, that that was it. That Michigan would just roll over. They pretty much dared J.J. McCarthy to throw the ball, which he eventually got going. Once they made that big uh, – or those those two big house calls for those do, two deep balls, and then obviously, as I was saying, the two fourth-quarter runs, Ohio State just couldn't keep up. And and for, for the, the last, like, two months, the reports that I've been reading as far as an NFL draft evaluation – I was always wondering why C.J. Stroud wasn't getting as much attention as I thought he was, and and I'm I'm sitting here even just kind of just you know leveling those expectations because again he's not really playing anyone just yet, and he's throwing to receivers that are already NFL receivers. In case none of you saw a stat, let me just bring this little stat up for you. Marvin Harris Jr. I believe he had 
I believe it was the uh, over a hundred targets thrown to him. He has had zero drops. If I was CJ Stroud and or if I was anyone that happened to look up and see that stat, I would literally tell him like, do nothing but throw to Marvin Harris Jr. Like, th- throw to him every single time. He doesn't have a single drop. That that's impressive, and especially for a sophomore, that's very impressive. But I mean, I, I was just wondering why he's not just like no one's really kind of just like feeling out CJ Stroud. And then uh, I'm just thinking like, all right, well, this is kind of like the moment to where, you know, no one's really had a big Heisman campaign ever since Hendon Hooker got hurt. Stequavius kind of died down. Bryce has been up and down, you know, Caleb Williams is sort of emerging, but you know, no one's really taken that like Heisman moment. This is CJ Stroud's opportunity to do so. And they just, he just laid an egg. He, he overthrew some players, and especially just kind of just when I'm talking about overthrow, like just even where the where they even have to jump up. These Ohio State wide receivers have to jump up, and they're still not able to make the catch. And not only that, I was just saying uh, Michigan just decided to just take on just the toughness mentality and just run the ball simply down their throat and push them around. It was not a good day for an Ohio State fan. It was a great day for Michigan fan. I started reaching out to all the Michigan people that I uh, told. I was like, Michigan's going to beat Ohio State. I I got the receipts. Let me just tell you that. And there's a few personalities. I know that listen to this podcast now. There's a few of them that I don't want to oust because I don't want to do that to you. I want to still, you know, keep building those relationships. But, hey, just, hey, (laughs) hey. Oh, um, where, my goodness gracious, my mother would slap me if she knew what was happening right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we're almost 15 minutes into this podcast and I have not given you a cheers. Where are my manners? <laughs> I, I am so sorry. Where, let me, let me just pour, pour myself a drink, another drink real quick. <laughs> another. Cheers to everyone. Again, I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving, and I'm hoping that most of your Christmas shopping is already finished. Mine is. Thank God. It's the first time in like a decade where I've actually gotten ahead of that. I'll tell you who else is ahead of things. And that's LSU. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is not my Star Wars cup. <laughs> I, I am not. Dr- I'm drinking the liquid, uh, the the good liquid out of a clear glass. But I want you to hear this clear mindset. Yes, they lost to Texas A&M. Was that a big game? No, because Texas A&M was a four win team, and obviously LSU had much greater aspirations. Texas A&M is playing their last game. They know that. Pretty much anyone who has checked out for Texas A&M, whether it be players or coaches, they're already gone. Pretty much it's whoever's here left standing, this is who we go with, no matter what. Ladies and gentlemen, we've talked about desperation on this podcast multiple times, how you can't see that on film. You can only see that when it's happening live. And – 
Texas A&M played more desperate. They controlled the line the line of scrimmage. Um, they ran the ball over thirty five times, and I think they passed it for not even like twenty. Like it, it was literally a run the ball down your throat type mentality, much like how Michigan had. I mean, hell, Texas A and M opens up with a fifteen play drive, and I think ten or twelve of those plays were all runs. They were going to take it to LSU because they knew that they're not going to be playing for anything. This is their quote-unquote bowl game. And they knew that LSU is obviously looking forward to Georgia and maybe even looking at their college football playoff. But, um, you know, I was talking to um, Matt Muscota, a friend, friend of the podcast. Uh, you know, cheers to you, Matt. Uh, <laughs> we, we don't need to deep dive too deep in what we talked about, but uh, – I was saying, look, um, I'm actually going to give Jimbo Fisher props, not because of his coaching schematics or anything like that. It's just him and the players, especially um, a chain or uh, a chain. You would think I would, <laughs> you would think I would know that last name. Him running all over the LSU defense, you would think I would know how to pronounce the name. But as you, most of you know, I've listened to the games on mute just so my judgment's not clouded. Um, yeah, they, they just – with him being injured, he could have easily not played or he could have easily just, you know, already started with a transfer or, like, declare for the draft, whatever. No, he he sacked up, came in, put the team on his back, and he led them to victory. The, the score of 38-23, like – like at the end of the game, I'm sitting here just kind of just thinking, like, I really think like the role should have just been reversed. Like I saw, like I saw this happening, except it was just the, it's just the, the it was just totally different. Just it, it was LSU at 38 and Texas A&M at 23. But you know, just that much like Arkansas when they played Texas A&M, you know, that one big time fumble had a crucial moment, and here comes the onslaught. And again, I, you got to give props to Jimbo. All the shit that's been happening the last two months with everything. That was a, okay, I can get the boosters off of my back because I can preach optimism and I can preach improvement because pretty much everyone that played and everyone that contributed to that game was either a sophomore or, or a true freshman. And, We'll have another recruiting class coming in. Everyone will get better, yada, 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 yada. You know, that win against LSU, specifically with what LSU had on the line, that can buy Jimbo some time. That can literally keep those recruits intact. That can either keep some people that were possibly transferring or on the the fence with transferring. That can just keep them in-house. That was a good win for the Texas A&M program. I don't want to say that's the worst loss that LSU's had uh, all season because the, the Florida State game really hurt and obviously the shellacking by Tennessee. But um, that one just sucks just from a fan's perspective. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just it, Texas A&M and LSU is not a – old rivalry it's more of a newer rivalry but i assure you that the hate is there um i mean come on like just we've seen the yell videos we've seen just 
how ridiculous they are. Come on, man. Lose to them. God, that's just from just from a fan's talking point from someone who's not going to bring in a conversation with logic. They're just going to come in with blind optimism of, yeah, Texas A&M did it because they took down LSU. Woo! We are the, we are the Aggies and Texas A&M and the stupid Tigers. For those of you watching the video, you you saw me just trying to be a yell leader. See, I can't be a yell leader. I I have a soul, so right now I'm I'm already overqualified. But Brian Kelly is also overqualified for the LSU job. You know, I was all uh, going back to Matt. Just when we even just the podcast that we had before the season even happened, when we had him on. I was already kind of predicting an eight and four, nine and three type season, but I was saying like, okay, we'll we'll lose to Alabama, we'll lose to, um, you know, probably uh, Florida, or and then we'll lose uh, another game where we're not supposed to, like an Auburn or an Ole Miss. And in Brian Kelly's very first year, he beats those teams. Now I know beating Auburn doesn't sound sexy. Beating Ole Miss right now, especially the way they came back, doesn't really sound as impressive. Alabama's still impressive, you know, but they'll still have the haters of like, well, you just won off that one play. And then with Florida, it's like, all right, well, <laughs> who, who didn't beat Florida? You know, Vandy beat Florida. <laughs> just, But, you know, just from a program standpoint, just from where he was and this this being his very first year into the SEC water, he's come out with he, – he's passed the test with flying colors. He has completely aced this test. Beating Nick Saban year one, SEC West champion, and just actually rejuvenating Jaden Daniels into a – Decent quarterback, flawed, but decent. Again, nine wins for LSU is usually either the floor or sometimes we're in a quote-unquote rebuilding year. It's a very high ceiling. And for LSU, it's it's just tough to just come across ten wins. I mean, it really is. But I was already optimistic about the Brian Kelly era before the the year happened. I'm even more optimistic about it now because, you know, not saying that they're just going to completely roll Georgia, but if, I mean, if they lose, you know, that puts them in a, I don't know, Citrus Bowl, something like that. If they win, that puts them in a New Year's Six. Do I think they're going to win? Probably not, but, I mean, LSU's playing with house money. They're not supposed to be here. Like they're not supposed to be in the SEC championship game. They're not supposed to be beating Alabama. You know, Brian Kelly is an outsider. He doesn't know our Southern ways. <laughs> well, this just goes to show you, ladies and gentlemen, that if you put anyone who is smart, determined, and adaptable to their environment, eventually they will figure it out and they will succeed. And he's going to. And... Everyone should just take their shots now, including Texas A&M fans. Take your shot now. I like LSU's future better than Texas A&M. Tell you what, right now, who's having a uh, 
a bright future outlook. And after this past weekend, chaos is always a podcast best friend because with chaos comes storylines, comes fallouts, decisions are altered, emotions are high, stakes are even higher. And the two teams that recognized every bit of that not only exceeded expectations, but put forth key moments, key drives, key scores, key highlights, everything that they needed to, to put themselves in a position for two of the top four spots. Everyone already knows that right now it just seems like Georgia and Michigan, that's one and two. It's no one's going to debate that. That's, it is what it is. You play to win the game. You want the four best teams? It's really hard to not put in Georgia and Michigan at this point. The third team right now, as much as I hate to say it, it just is what it is. The committee did it. They can't turn turn or they can't turn their back on it now. Is TCU? They just put up sixty two points this past weekend. I I didn't think Iowa State was the best defense in the Big Twelve, but that's what the um, the experts were saying it's kind of hard for me to just say that you have the best defense, but you're four and seven and whatever. And then you obviously give up 62 points. I mean, how, how great was this defense? And when I saw that, I was just like, see, like what the hell were they talking about? But whatever. Um, and then uh, the other team is USC. Not only did USC convincingly beat Notre Dame, Caleb Williams had m- multiple Heisman moments. Um, re- I was really conflicted between the Notre Dame and USC game because I was also watching the LSU Texas A and M game. So I'm obviously more intact and dialed into LSU. But anytime there was a commercial or what, or I was just kind of just needed to turn away just because of I didn't like what I was seeing, I would turn over to the Notre Dame USC game and I would just see Caleb Williams just be making a ridiculous throw or making a run to where he just gets out of pressure and just instantly gains positive yardage. I'd see him spin out of sacks and just kind of just what what looks like he's literally just shooting a basketball type throw and just it just happened to just land right in the cookie jar, right where it needs to go. He Caleb Williams had the day CJ Stroud needed to have to where all right, it's late in the season. Now everyone's starting to kind of really ramp up their Heisman votes. You know, the resume for the college football playoff matters. Caleb Williams took that step up when C.J. Stroud turned tail and ran. I'm happy for USC, and I'm happy for Caleb Williams. I have (laughs) – It's you're probably just wondering, like, wait a minute, I thought you were an Oklahoma fan. Why the hell would you be happy for that team? Well – yeah, it sucks, but I mean, it it <laughs> once people start realizing that there are just bigger factors in college football that we just can't control, I assure you, your life will be a little bit easier. Now, I tell you to not look at things as far as like from college football as a business perspective, like I do, because your fandom will die. I promise you, it will die. 
but you just you have to be somewhat aware that again just the powers of B behind the curtain are just pulling the strings and we are all just mere puppets just doing their dances and saying the things that they want us to say and following things they want us to follow just you know everyone there is someone that's constantly pulling our strings right now and you have to be aware of that you just have to and right now it's really tough to just again go against USC and I as a fan, I, it, it's tough to admit that, but it's just the truth. You know, you look at Oklahoma, Oklahoma's in shambles. They just lost in overtime to Texas Tech. You know, they're barely bowl eligible. And it's, you have USC who in year one, yeah, he gets – Lincoln Riley gets some transfers. He gets some NIL deals that go his way. He gets some star players from other uh, big programs. Who cares? In less than a year – he has figured out his side of the ball. Caleb Williams is spectacular, and they're in a position to not only win the Pac-12 championship, but also vie for one of the four spots, which right now they rightfully deserve. If you ask me right now, who are the four best teams in college football? Georgia, Michigan, TCU. As much as I – as much as I love their hoodies and the Hypnotoad, it's cool. It's great for social media. It's great for vibes. But it's just Cincinnati 2.0. Like, we've seen this. It's, but, hey, it's cool. It's just different because they have a they have a hypnotic toad that just feels as though that, you know, you just want to do acid with. I've never done acid, so I don't know how that feels. But, and, you know, not to mention, yeah, their hoodies look really cool. I mean, hell, I'm wearing a hoodie right now, so I'm not opposed to, you know, <laughs> supporting the hoodie business. I am supporting of putting the best teams in the playoff, which, hey, I <laughs> God, I wish the 12-team playoff was now. Just to settle all these debates. Another debate we need to kind of settle. I didn't think it was a debate. Thought it was pretty obvious. But it seems as though now it's a debate. Does Hugh Freeze belong at Auburn? Seriously, what kind of a question is that? I completely understand what you are thinking. I get it. He hired an escort service. He was illegally recruiting he was doing whatever and then there's this report that he was harassing uh, this liberty staff member and i happen to take a look at that report it doesn't seem like he's harassing anyone it doesn't seem like he's telling this young woman to do anything he's just simply vouching for the person that is either being accused or whatever the case may be it just ladies and gentlemen we say it over and over. If someone is just going to scorn you over and over simply because of one little thing that you've done, or they've simply just going to scorn you or kind of preach themselves on a holier than thou uh, platform to where they're just, you know, better than everyone else. Usually that person has a lot of more skeletons in their closet than they're leading on to be. Did he make a mistake? Yes. That was six years ago. And in modern day college football, 
take out the escort service. Everything else is fully legal now. Hugh Freeze wins. He has won everywhere he's gone. That I I really don't understand why there is backlash in hiring him. If Auburn is serious about being a, a perennial SEC competitor and drawing in massive talent, having a great NIL program and an amazing facility to draw in everyone, why not go all in? We've seen the uh, the photos and video clips and social media, you know, um, I guess – I don't want to say just vid. Well, I mean, they are videos, but I mean, mostly it's just kind of just like the student section and just pretty much a little bit of just the actual student body and the fan base of Auburn, whether or not they're winning. Like I remember seeing one picture. It was just like uh, this team is whatever, like this team is like five and six or like, or I think it was like four and five, whatever, whatever it was, there was a losing record and there, and it was still a packed house. You know, people, in the Plains, love Auburn. And I think they would be foolish not to hire Hugh Freeze. I, like, it still blows my mind. It, it, yeah, everyone was really fixated on Lane. I think Lane kind of got backed into a corner a bit. And we don't need to talk about that. But with, once Lane was off the table, it's like, all right, it's Hugh Freeze. It has to be Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze, at all, it, it just sucks for him, for his brand, because, you know, he was from, you know, he was born in Mississippi, obviously was a great high school football coach in Memphis, um, becomes the head coach at, Miss, at the University of Mississippi or Ole Miss, and is fired because of the complete scandal. But ladies and gentlemen, let me just paint you a different timeline. Again, that was six years ago. Three years after that scandal, he he didn't coach at all. Who knows what he did within those three years? Talk to anybody in three years after a major scandal or after any kind of rock bottom moment. I, in three years, one or two things is going to happen. Either they've gotten their life back together or they're just even more rock bottom or they're just right where you left them. It seems as though the... Former is what's happening to Hugh Freeze. I mean, he is. I think I saw he was thirty-three and twelve when he was at Liberty, and this is this is three years after him not coaching. So he didn't coach for three years, and then he was coaching for three years. He's also an elite recruiter. Now I say that because obviously there were some incentives for recruiting for, for I'm sorry for recruits coming to Ole Miss, but again, all that's legal now. And you mean to tell me that a booster club like Auburn would not get any bit of business um, opportunities available. Come on now. The, pe- people joke about them being a toxic booster club. I mean, that I mean, that tells me that they don't mind throwing some money around. I'll tell you who else is throwing some money around, and it's good for college football, specifically good for the Big Ten West. And that's Luke Fickle officially heading to Wisconsin. Now, I could have, 
I was pretty much willing to predict that he is going to take the Ohio State job. I was even asking some people around where, hey, Luke Fickle, has he kind of just like ran out his time with Cincinnati? He knows that the last or last year, this year, and even um, you know, a little bit of next year, there was just a bunch of uh, <clears throat> there was just a bunch of uh, um, upperclassmen that really just outperformed their development, and you know he was just kind of just looking for a different stepping stone. Three days ago, if you were to, or I'm sorry, like 20, well, yeah, I guess a few hours after the Ohio State-Michigan game, if you would have told me that Luke Fickle was the next head coach for Ohio State, I probably would have believed you because that would, it again, college football is very emotional. And what happened to Ohio State, It again, back-to-back years, it's embarrassing. It really is. They just got embarrassed for the last two years, especially against that team. And it wouldn't surprise me if Luke Fickle just happened to just was given the keys to the kingdom. But he, Luke Fickle, it, it was pretty crazy how this really came to fruition because no one was re- really hearing about any of this up until the wee hours of this morning. I believe uh, when I looked at my phone when I woke up, there this report that I had gotten what uh, came to me at 3.30. So I'm just, hey, the people that are grinding that late at night, shout out to you. Like, shout out to you. Grinders, grind and do what you got to do to get your bread. That's awesome. And it's great for people like me, too. Um, but, yeah, like it, that. It, and then by it seemed like within a matter of 12 to 15 hours, it was already a done deal. And Wisconsin now has a new head coach. But that's just the that's just the the or I'm sorry one of the big things for the Big Ten West. The other is Matt Rule going to Lincoln, which is huge. I, Nebraska is almost it's almost like Auburn, and within a way of it's a loyal fan base, boosters that are willing to help the program succeed, and you're really in a position where. You can get recruits, but it's just going to be the like second or third tier recruits that the bigger brands really don't want. But if you can get enough of those guys, a few key transfers that are not working out with the big time programs and come over to you for the good vibes, i.e. Beamer Ball-esque, you can do some things. You can win some games. You can turn that around really quickly. And what do we say about Matt Rule? Come in, see what's wrong with the house break it down to the studs, build it back up. That This is so big for college football. It's big for Nebraska. Anyone who keeps asking me about it, I keep telling them the same thing. Good things are happening in Lincoln. This may just me just be optimistic because, again, I was a Scott Frost fan. I loved what he did at UCF and obviously taking him to his alma mater. Didn't work out, is what it is. Now you have a guy who is not only a proven college coach, but it's also a proven program builder, like a person who develops and holds everyone accountable and actually has a identity. And that is what Nebraska has been missing. My only thing with Nebraska is please keep Mickey Joseph, the guy who stepped in or the guy who replaced Scott Frost. Just keep that guy. That may just be my little LSU love, but he is a damn good recruiter. And 
from the reports I read, a lot of the recruits have actually voiced their support for him. So if Matt Rule was smart, he'd at least keep him on. Don't don't send him packing because if you send him packing, that that rebuild's going to happen a little slower than you want. Something else that's slowly developing, and this will be my last thing. I don't want to keep y'all too too long. Uh, I, before I turn this pod on, I um, just uh, watched the birds pretty much run all over the Packers, and we'll, we'll get into the NFL pod. There's some crazy things to talk about within this past week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'll, again, I'll tell you what else. Just, um, what I was getting to is um, can Alabama sneak into the playoff? I know, I know. Hey, 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 listen, listen. If you're still with me, hear me out. We already talked about the chaos. It's already happened. Not only that, the um, the standings came out today, the AP rankings. And so, all right, so there is a path for Alabama to sneak in. Do I think it is likely? We'll just have to wait and see how um, the conference play stands out. So, obviously, or I guess uh, not, you know, so or Georgia would have to or is playing LSU. Michigan is going to play whoever won the Big Ten West. Um, I it was supposed to be Purdue, but when I looked. The last time Purdue was losing, I don't remember exactly who won. Um, yeah, the Big Ten West was garbage. Just The Big Ten West became relevant just simply because Matt Rule and Luke Fickle decided to join the Big Ten West. But, yeah, so that's – yeah. Um, TCU and um, the Big Ten Championship – or, I'm sorry, the Big 12 Championship – I'm not a fan of TCU. I will just – I'll keep saying I'm just not. Ladies and gentlemen, they just – I'm not. Again, it's cool with what they got going. I I totally get it. It's just – who they play this week? What are they – take a look real quick. Who they play? Oh, Kansas State again? Okay. All right. I just <laughs> – all right. Hoping for a Christmas miracle here pretty soon, before, way before Christmas. And who's the other one? USC? Yeah, USC's got a, the Pac-12 championship against Utah. What? So, Caleb Williams against Cameron Rising. Lincoln Riley against Kyle Winningham. Yeah, I know who my money's on. Uh, but Ohio State's there at five, which was already a little surprising because, again, they, they didn't lose – a close game against Michigan. They got by their standards. It was a blowout by Ohio standards. They got blown out. And then Alabama sitting there at six. Who's to say that TCU would lose, which I'm hoping that it kind of happens. I'm hoping Chris Kleiman just comes in and slays the dragon and finally sobers up the hypnotoad throw some tie-dye on those hoodies just so we don't want them anymore. And 
I don't know. Like I'm, I'm hoping that he does it. I'm hoping that he pulls it off because I'm willing to bet that the committee, if USC, if USC went, uh, wins the Pac-12, they're in. So it would be Georgia, Michigan, at that point USC, and I think at the fourth spot right now you would have a twelve and one TCU, an eleven and one Ohio State. In a ten and two Alabama team, and and the conversation would be between those three. I think they put him in between those three. I let hey look, I, I would hate it too. I I really would. I I really would. But take emotion out of it. Alabama's two losses have been a combined four points. Them going on the road to play Texas and beating Te- – oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They, they um, Like, them going on the road and beating Texas, that was huge. Doesn't matter how they won. They still won. Um, You know, and obviously getting beat by Tennessee doesn't look as great now. But, hey, I mean, Tennessee, Tennessee is seven. So, the fact that they have a loss over Tennessee or the loss over the seventh-ranked team doesn't look bad. And obviously with LSU, they could get in. They could sneak in. They could get the benefit of the doubt. TCU would have to lose, though. That's that's the only way that it's a possibility for them to sneak in. Because the, the committee would literally have to have the, the conversation of TCU, Alabama, or Ohio State, which one do we put in? <sighs> Going to have to wait for this uh, weekend to, or this weekend to figure everything out. I appreciate everyone listening. Just continue to show the love. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Subscribe to the podcast. Can't wait for uh, can't wait for Tuesday's podcast. Getting all this weirdness for the NFL. As you can see, scoring is down. <laughs> we'll get into that. Or not, I don't. I don't really care about scoring being down. I just hate it. What's happening? But hey, it is what it is. Again, continue continue to subscribe to the podcast, show love, interact on the socials, tell your friends, tell your families, and of course, go Tigers!